Hey everybody, welcome back to Review of Mania. We're not dead. No, we are not dead. Uh, but the delay has been mostly my fault. It's all good. Today we figured we'd do a bonus show before we kind of get back in the swing of things. Um, I wanted to discuss all elite wrestling. Just the everything, I guess. It's just been in the in the nine months we've been on hiatus it's like been doing good obviously but now it's like at this time of recording in september of 2021 uh 2021 uh it's just been gangbusters and i just wanted to kind of discuss our thoughts on AEW because we we did review the first three episodes of, of dynamite but unfortunately life gets in the way and it's not as easy to keep up on the week-to-week stuff but, That's uh, true. But, I mean, AEW probably, a lot of people are saying that they just put on the best pay-per-view since, since X7? Ever? Um, Some people are saying ever. Some people are saying since X7. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't... I didn't see it compared to that. I just really enjoyed the pay-per-view. There was some stuff, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not going to go like a pay-per-view by pay-per-view, but... You know, obviously, you and I have been watching wrestling for a very long time in our own lives. Um, you know, I, I grew up a big WCW fan. Like, I'd watched the WF growing up. Like, I remember the barbershop window incident being my first, like, big thing in wrestling I'd seen. But then, like, I never got back into wrestling until, like, 97. When I watched the Mick Foley as Cactus Jack, where they got beat up by the Outlaws. And then the next week on Raw, he came out and was like, you all chat for Stone Cold. This is the last time you'll see Cactus Jack for a while. Because I give everything. My blood, my sweat, and my tears. God damn it. And that was my first back into wrestling. But I was a big WCW person. And then WCW went away, obviously. And I watched, you know, the Attitude Era when it aired. And, uh, yeah. Now, though, I gotta say, I don't watch any WWE I, yeah, I, no, I can't fucking watch it, dude. No, I, I, I can't either. Uh, I, I think part of it comes with uh, two big factors. One is that there is an editing problem with WWE's current product. Uh, Can it, you it's, elaborate? It's very, well, uh, they just cut. There are so many cuts within a match to try yes. to get the perfect. Okay, perfect. The, the, yes. Yeah, to try to get the perfect angle so that all of the moves look good or stiff or whatever they're looking for for that particular uh match i think like nxt is not like well old nxt where we could talk about what's going on in nxt yeah we're we're, we're, at this time we're two days away from the revamped nxt that vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard are taking over and uh yeah we'll see where that goes i'll be honest though i was never a big nxt person i watched some of the takeovers like our evolution and brooklyn and all those early ones but i i quit watching nxt um uh but no i i agree with you though to get back on point i agree with you 100 percent. where my problem is there's too many damn cuts and there's too much zooming in and out and shaking of the camera and it's it's nauseating yeah, so they have so many camera angles so that everything looks good, which 
to one extent is is a good thing. We don't necessarily want it to be like um mid 2000s TNA where like there was a big spot and they would often miss it. So like I think it like I I think it's good that they have so much coverage, but the way that they cut the shots it it, it is hard, sometimes nauseating to watch. The second big problem with current WWE is that every episode uh, in a given six months period, you may see three or four matches that are the exact same from week to week. Uh, if you're feuding with somebody, you're going to have matches with them every week until the feud ends, it seems like, in many and cases. it's all 50-50 it... booking. Right. So nobody gets an advantage over another person. My, my other problem is the commentary. I fucking hate it. Here comes the big dog. He's getting a championship opportunity. It's just everyone has a fucking stupid nickname. Like, I remember watching somebody, I think it was Nikki Cross or Ruby Riot or someone, the delinquent of the W, the, the, the junior delinquent or the juvenile, no, it was the juvenile delinquent of the WWE. I'm like, and what? I what? Mean, that's a, this is a grown yeah, ass I, woman, right? Right. No, there's there there is no juvenile delinquents in in WWE. Uh, yeah, no. Some some of the things don't make sense, and I think the commentary uh, is a big part because is is a big problem because everything is about branding. Yes. Now, so that's a better you know, way of putting it. Everyone yeah. has a branded nickname. Everyone has a branded signature. Everything is man. Like I, when I, when the SmackDown set came out, I watched that SmackDown, and they had all these 3D graphics with the AR, and I hate it. And I don't know if it's just because I'm, I've been watching wrestling for 30 years of my life, and it's like. That's not what they did in my... I, I'm not trying to sound like a boomer or anything. You know, like, oh, they, I know things change. But it seems so stupid. I don't yeah, need so a big it, Roman Reigns fister logo coming at me that says head of the table in 3D or... or just You know what I mean? I, I, I do. I mean, I don't think you necessarily sound like a boomer. Uh, you certainly don't sound like uh, Jim Cornette, who just hates everything. But yeah. like, it, it's it's um, the presentation of WWE is at once um, obnoxious, but also very boring. Everything looks the same. Uh, your pay per view sets, with the exception of maybe SummerSlam and WrestleMania, all look the same. That was one of my favorite things growing up. Was I wonder well, what the pay-per-view sets are going to look like. One of the things I right. loved thinking, like, when, like, in 98, 99, 2000, all the sets were unique. And it was like, man, I wonder what it's going to be like. Oh, man. Like, I always remember the backlash hooks. Right. And it wasn't that it. long ago that they still did that. When I got back into wrestling around 2009, 2010, uh, or 2008, 2009, they were still doing that with every single one of their pay-per-views. It wasn't until about 2012 when everything started looking exactly the same. So it's within the last 10 years that we see this slow homogenization of the product so that everything looks the same. Nobody be nobody except for 
a select few number of people is above anybody else. And if anybody is elevated, like let's say uh, Kofi Kingston, for example, uh, they are only elevated as long as they're holding the title belt, and then they go right back down to where they were before, and they're never going to touch it again. Well, and that's what's frustrating, too, is like, look at Kofi Kingston's title reign. They get on SmackDown on Fox, and Brock Lesnar destroys him. And Kofi Kingston hasn't had a single freaking sniff at the title since. And he hasn't even yeah. like he hasn't even been able to be like, oh, I'm going to challenge Brock and get my win back, or you know, it didn't piss him off or make him more you know angry and better and be like, oh, he beat me that time, but I'm going to train harder and and you, you know what I mean? Like it's just no, he got his ass kicked, and uh, we're moving on. Kobe yeah, Wu? I mean, I think I, I think he did have a uh, WWE title match against Bobby Lashley, but he lost that match in seven minutes, and it was a squash again. So, like, who who's benefiting from being part of the WWE system, really? Maybe they get some name recognition out of it, but, like, they're not becoming these big monster stars. They're not... They're, we don't really have a next... Uh, Stone Cold or Rock or John Cena or hell even a Brock Lesnar currently we have a whole bunch of people who if they're released as we've seen in the last year because they've released something like 60 wrestlers wow, it's wild it, it doesn't matter because there's just other people to fill in those spots the WWE machine is going to continue rolling regardless of who's in it yeah it's it's just a brand at this point which if your sole goal is to make a lot of money which it seems like that is the goal of vince mcmahon to make a lot of money in wrestling then fine but if your goal is to make an entertaining and interesting and dynamic product it doesn't really work that way and it's funny because for years like We've been wanting an alternative. TNA at one point was that alternative. And everyone was on the TNA bandwagon. ROH had their time. New Japan had their time. And it seems like ever since WCW went away, there's been glimpses of like these alternatives in the United States to a to a WWE. And it seems like it couldn't quite get there like they yeah. hit on something they'd hit on something but then they just couldn't capitalize and they would fizzle out right like if we take the tna example they had a lot of hype around 2006 2007 when they signed christian and kurt angle and scott steiner all mm -hmm. within short order Booker T, and it was ex and sting uh before before all of them and it was really exciting but then you saw that Jeff Jarrett and Dixie Carter brought back a whole bunch of people who worked in WCW. And I know that a lot of people are nostalgic for WCW, but at the same time, if you're working with people who destroyed a company, <laughs> you're, you're not, and you know, they haven't grown from that. Vince Russo and it's is the so, person I'm... Oh yeah, definitely. I, it's so funny because I've been on a kick of reading, well, listening to audiobooks. Yeah. I just got done listening to the death of WCW for like maybe the fourth time. And every time I read, reread, in this case, re listen, 
I learned something new. Mm-hmm. And just the absurdity of everything. And then I've also been going through this book series by James Dixon. And they look at 95, 96, and 97 in the WWF. And it's been so interesting. I've listened to 95, I've listened to 97, and I just bought the 96 book called Titan, uh, Titan Shattered. Um, and it's really interesting, like, going back through this and listening about stories and learning things I may not have already known, but getting better context or learning more about than just the brief, you know, stories behind them. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, it's like... Does anybody learn from this shit? Does anybody go back it, and look at history and go, boy, let's not do that again. But no, like we saw with TNA. TNA was, oh, no, we're going to keep doing what we did because, you know, it, it worked for a little bit. And then it fell off a cliff again. Right, right. And so you got all these wacky gimmick matches and people just... And they had all the talent in the world in in that... Um, 2007, 2008. Like they, like if you looked at the roster that TNA had at the time, it was some of the best people in the entire world. It was you know Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels and Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and a lot of these people who are still around today, uh, but younger and faster and hungrier, and they just couldn't make anything happen out of it. And then when you look at Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor was a good alternative for a while. They put on these amazing shows. But when you have a company like WWE offering millions of dollars to your talent and you can't match that, you're of course you're going to lose your talent because they have to be able to feed their themselves and their families. And then New Japan, uh, they're still producing really good work, even in the United States. The problem comes in is that the person who was running New Japan, seemingly, and we don't really have a ton of background details on it, but the person who was running uh, New Japan up until this past year, Harold Meiji, I think is his name Yeah, it is, Harold Meiji. Uh, He burned a whole bunch of bridges the young bucks don't like him he lost kenny omega so something happened archer he lost a number of stars well now it seems like it's getting repaired that bridge so yeah when aew i mean like granted i don't want to go through like the history of aew but yeah when aew started like no one really knew what to expect so aew kind of it's funny because aew was like this like weird thing that like Right time, right place, right people to make this thing happen. Um, I read the one of the books I also read was The Young Bucks Killing the Business. Mm. Such a good fucking book. Uh, I didn't know much about the Young Bucks before that. I knew that they did, you know, uh, uh, the, the Battle of LA, PWG. And things like that, and they hit the indies for a while. It was so fun reading their stories. But when they got to AEW, the stories are talking about like, ah, oh, this fan, this fan named Tony Khan, would call us and be like, ah, oh, we should start a company and ba ba ba, and like it's just wild. So like, you know, they did that 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 thing with Dave Meltzer, betting a dollar that they couldn't fit a 
was a 10,000 seat arena. Yeah. And yeah, was... this indie talent in 20, uh, 2019 did it, you know, with the help of, of the young bucks and a bunch of other people. But like, you know, AEW started from that. And by October of 2019, we have dynamite. We had our first pay-per-view. We had all out. Um, or I mean, all in, excuse me. Yeah. Or was it double or nothing? No, it's double or nothing. Uh, it was double or nothing, yes. and then it was all out. Yes, was their next show because all out 28, 2018 was the first one they did. So yeah, that was that like, original non AEW concept pay per view. But yeah, point being is like we now had this alternative, and I remember like I mean you can go back and listen to our first reviews. Um, I didn't know who any of these people were. I knew I really liked MJF because he was good on the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know who Orange Cassidy was. I by fine. I still remember being amazed that he put his hands in his pockets and he would do flip dives over the top rope, and like I was like, holy shit! Like uh, I wasn't you know this indie guy, so all these people were really new to me. But then you had like Chris Jericho, and it wasn't all about him. You know, and a lot of people were afraid that, like, Kenny Omega. I knew of Kenny Omega. I'd seen him in New Japan in a couple. Like, I'd watched the, 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 the January 4th shows. Yeah. But I didn't know a ton about Kenny Omega. But everyone was like, oh, the Cody Rhodes is going to be, uh, you know, taking the world title. And the Young Bucks are going to be champions right away. And Kenny Omega is going to be the title holder. And it's all going to be about them and no one else. And And we didn't know what was going on. Uh, what were your kind of first early thoughts of, of Dynamite? I mean, I was really, ex- I remember being really excited uh, when uh, All Elite Wrestling was first announced. I was, I wasn't crazy about the name because I was like, well, okay, if it's going to be All Elite Wrestling mm-hmm. and the Elite are in it, then they're of course going to be the figureheads. Yeah, and, and, to and they a, are. And, a, and, and yeah, to a certain extent they are. But like... I was also I was also really excited because it, it seems like a lot. Of, I I'm much more of a fan of indie wrestling. I watch a lot of indie wrestling, so uh, I was excited to see some people that I've seen for a very long time, uh, kind of get their shot, and then some people that I was not familiar with, uh, because there are so many uh, indie feds all over the country where people can you know, only work in a certain area that I'm just not familiar with. And they also, they also getting some, uh, a shot. So I was really excited for that. I was nervous because the idea that, uh, this guy, Tony Khan, it was like you were saying when the young bucks referred to him as a fan, I was worried that Tony Khan was just going to be a money mark. Uh, just a person who is going to be there for, a short-term, uh, not a necessarily long-term investment, and when he lost a whole bunch of money, pull out, and then the thing would collapse. Uh, I'm glad that didn't happen, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I was very excited. Um, I wasn't necessarily familiar with like Orange Cassidy in that character, but Orange Cassidy was a member of the Chikara roster for yeah, a long he time. Yeah, Fire Ant. I, as Fire Ant, and I love the colony. I thought that they were great, and Fire Ant was always the one that I really liked out of them because he always did this really cool pile driver. Um, 
and uh jungle boy was somebody that i had just started to hear about a whole lot and yeah, seen same. some shows and i was like oh okay so more jungle boy that will be good and mjf was amazing uh, was somebody... in my opinion like i think MJF... he was a standout in early yeah. dynamites yeah because of his uh his mic skills Mm -hmm. and then you know like chris jericho was like i think was a smart choice because he's a person with a lot of name recognition right he's somebody that would bring in the casual fan i was a little worried when they made him the first champion but i think overall that was kind of a good uh pick overall um i was more hoping that we would have like a homegrown uh, first champion, like a uh, Adam Page or something along those lines. Overall, I think that uh, the first three years of AEW, because we're now in year three, have shown that uh, this is a company th- that will build homegrown talent um, and focuses on that while still relying on those big names when they can't where they have to like a John Moxley or a Chris Jericho. So, yeah. I have been lucky enough to go to two dynamite shows. Now, uh, Charlotte's been really lucky and blessed because of Charlotte being Charlotte. Uh, I got to go to the November 6th episode or sorry, November 8th of, of, the first dynamite and that was like you know it started in october so it was like you know four or five weeks old at that point and uh had a fucking blast I- i'm not a big live wrestling fan uh in that one two week span they uh wwe had their night of champions or whatever they call it uh mm. pay-per-view and then two weeks later was AEW. And I so much enjoyed the AEW compared to the WWE Live. Yeah, I, I can I, I can vouch for that because I, you were texting me during the entirety of both of those shows, I remember. And the tone that you were talking about when you were at Dynamite versus when you were in the WWE show was very different. You were much more excited during the Dynamite. You were talking mostly about how com- uncomfortable the chairs were at Night of Champions. And oh, also God, yes. Standing in front of you. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, just recently... Uh, AEW came back to Charlotte. Uh, the the John Moxley versus uh, Nick Gage. I got to see that live. It was amazing. But yeah, uh, you know, so I, I talk very highly of AEW because, um, you know, I I just think it's something unique. I, I love the grown grown scars. I'm not a big women's wrestling fan, and I freaking love Riho. I love. Uh, Maki Ito, um, Dr. Britt Baker, seeing her come from like her being like the shitty green as grass wrestler in 2019 and seeing her like get better and better every week, even when she was injured, just getting her on TV and like doing this stuff, you know, like it's so amazing to see her go from what she was to where she is now. And like, I'm not saying I'm a, like, you know, that's that's one of the things I have a problem with AEW. We'll get there. Is there a women's roster? But 
like, just, it feels like people give a shit. You know what I mean? It's just so different. And, and like, Dynamite early on was like, you can't miss. It was like this, you can't miss TV. And then the pay-per-views. I have bought nearly every pay-per-view that they've put out. I love the four pay-per-views a year because I like the fact that they do the, the special Dynamite episodes. And they don't charge you for it. But you're getting a pay-per-view caliber TV show. Yeah, what I think All Elite Wrestling ultimately is, is they they pay attention to what works in other places. Like those special Dynamite episodes, TNA's been doing those, or Impact Wrestling has been doing those for years now, where they take a uh, one or two episodes of Impact, and it's like, oh, this Impact is Genesis, or this Impact's uh, Destination X, and then mm-hmm. they do those pay-per-view quality matches and it's great there. And so AEW has borrowed that concept and I think that's great. Or uh, war great war games matches in NXT have been really good. Oh, well let's do our own version in blood and guts. Mm-hmm. Like they pay attention to what works in other companies and they refine it and they make it their own. And that's what makes it. So that's part of the reason why the product is so enjoyable to watch. Not only does it seem like everybody is happy to be there, for the most part, um, they also just book the shows in a way that will keep the viewer happy, which is something that other companies seemingly don't. Mostly WWE. Yeah. WWE really doesn't give a shit whether or not you're happy or not. You're going to continue to watch because you always watch. And if you look at their numbers... Uh, in terms of viewership, it has consistently gone down a lot in the last two years since AEW. And AEW's viewership in the last year really has been quite... Their growth has been quite impressive. I was looking at their viewership numbers uh, for the last several months, mm-hmm. and there have been quite a few times where they have reached over a million viewers. Uh, which is a great number. Uh, and their last couple of shows, they have been at like the 1.2, 1.4 million viewer mark. Yeah. Which for wrestling is humongous. It, 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 it was so funny. And obviously, you know, TNA of 2008 versus, you know, even the K, my whole point is TNA of 2008, TNA today is way different. But, yeah. and, but also the cable. Cord cutting has made a huge impact in the TV landscape. But I remember when, like, TNA was constantly a million. They either went around a million or above a million, but it was always usually a million, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, and that was TNA back when it was, you know, good. Now it's like you hit a million. It's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. It's just wild to think, like, now a million is this big achievement, where TNA was like, that was their standard. Well, yeah, but they were also on Spike TV, which, I mean, I think TNT probably is a bigger channel than Spike, but at the time, their cable was something that everybody just had. Well, actually, um, speaking so... speaking of that, 
they have done so many things that you know like I just like I said I just finished doing the death of WCW mm. and it was Jamie Kilner didn't like wrestling didn't want wrestling on it bold dead they get back on Turner Networks do you think if it was any other channel than TNT do you think they'd be doing as well um I, I mean, I don't know, actually. Uh, there are a few channels that have had wrestling on it historically. USA uh, being one, Spike, uh, which I think is now Paramount, the Paramount Network. Oh, it is? Uh, okay, I thought yeah. it was like Esquire or something. No, I think I, it's I the know. Paramount Network. Yeah, I think it's the Paramount Network now. Historically had had wrestling on it, and then TNT, TBS... Uh, also historically have had wrestling on it. So I think they're like, if it was one of those four, uh, then I think they would be about where they are now. If it had been like something that it was in deep cable. No, definitely not. Um, so, uh, what, what has been some of your favorite moments from dynamite or even like favorite pay-per-view matches or anything you can be like, this is why, you know, my, this is what I like about AEW. Like what's some of your positives? Okay. So I have, I have general positives and then I have uh, like moment positives. So I'll start with my general positives. One of the things that I like about uh, impact dynamite, it's late when we're recording this, uh, one of the things I like about Dynamite is that they have a gigantic roster. Now, I know that that may seem like a kind of a scary thing, but one of the things that I like about it is every week that you turn on Dynamite, for the most part, you're going to find fresh matchups. And also, uh, just because somebody isn't on TV doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a huge star because they'll appear on Dark or Dark Elevation. And I've actually, uh, because I don't have cable at the moment, I find that I, I'm turning to Dark and Dark Elevation um, for my wrestling fix uh, if I don't want to sign into the TNT app. Oh, you want to, to you know some uh, background information about that, being it live? So what? we had our... So they recorded uh, Dark first. Mm. And... They whipped through those matches. Those matches are only like two minutes long. Yeah. They whipped through them. They basically have someone waiting in the ring. And then they, you know, then like the big star comes out. And then they have the quick match and then boom, boom, boom. And then Justin Roberts goes, okay, wait a minute. All right. Next match in three, two, one. We all cheer. And all right. Here comes so and so. And then we do dynamite. So they do three matches for dark. And then they do dynamite, and then holy shit, dark elevation takes forever. We were there to almost midnight. Doors opened at six for dynamite or for the dark tapings, or not six. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, seven for the dark tapings because it was seven to eight is dark, eight to ten is is uh, dynamite, and ten to midnight practically was elevation and holy shit dude and they're just like clockwork 
In, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And by the time they were done, I was like, okay, I'm getting kind of tired. I'm, it's 11.45 at night. And they're like, next up is John Moxley. And it's like, oh, please just hurry up. Like, it was fun, but you knew what they were. They were these quick squat. Like, there was no back and forth. There was, you know, one wrestler gets a couple offense moves in, and then it's like, boom, done, bend. Next match. Anyway, continue on. Sorry. Yeah. No, be, I. It's that to be interesting for someone who hasn't been there because it's definitely uh, interesting to watch. Those matches are like freaking oil or just, you know, like well-oiled machine of just like match, get out, match, get out, match, get out. And by the way, when they're waiting, they've got like Justin Robert reading signs or being like, hey, guys, you know, Nick Gage is going to be here. And they'd look for Nick Gage or people like Aubrey would come out and and be like, hey, guys. And, you know, she'd get her cheers and yeah. So I I think that um, I I can agree that a four five hour wrestling TV taping would be torture to sit through. So I can totally understand that. Thank God the but... chairs were comfortable. But the chairs are comfortable, so that's one thing. Uh, but if you watch them broken up into, you know, the actual shows, it's easy, it's fun to watch, and you can see the development in certain characters. Like, honestly, one of my favorite wrestlers, and I, it, it kind of, when I was thinking, when you mentioned, uh, when we mentioned recording this, I was thinking about well, who are my favorite AEW wrestlers, and one of the stories that I really have kind of enjoyed uh, seeing is actually Ty Conti in um, AEW mm-hmm. versus where she was in NXT just a couple of years ago. She's grown tremendously as a wrestler and she now has like all this uh, character in the way that she wrestles and when she comes down to the ring and stuff like that. Like that's, I for me, that's an, a success story. Um, so I like that. Um, so the roster, big uh, points there. Um, I also like the um, commentary for AEW um, for the most part. There is one person who I think needs to bow down and go out and only be brought back for certain things, and that's JR. It breaks my heart to say that, but JR just doesn't have the fire that he did back 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I... When he's on, he's on. What? Right. But when he's on, when he's on. But those, he isn't those, always on. No. And it's kind of sad because it's like, okay, you know, I'm not saying he's washed up because he's still definitely good. But it's just like... There's just times where it's just like, dude, what 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 are you talking about? Where right. he'll complain about like, well, uh, back in the eighties, you know, you didn't do this. It's like, dude, it ain't the eighties no more. Right. Exactly. I still remember the I, the the comment he made about Anna J when she debuted. And it's like, dude, you, you dude. Right. He he sometimes makes these like off-colored comments, or he'll 
like if he doesn't like a person's gimmick name like jungle boy for example is a big issue he always calls him jungle jack because it's you know the the actual wrestler's name is jack perry but he wrestles under jungle boy jr doesn't seem to like the name jungle boy so he calls him jack perry instead because it's less embarrassing that's the only thing i can think of so like jr is a kind of a negative but excalibur who i've been watching for years in pwg where he's a one-man joey styles-esque uh commentary machine has been excellent when it comes to dynamite and all the other shows that he has to commentate and surprisingly because i haven't necessarily watched a t like all of wcw but i remember tony shivani not always being the greatest he has been super good as a commentator for Dynamite, and that was a big surprise because I didn't know if he was going, how he was going to be after such a long layoff. Like, I know he worked for MLW mm -hmm. for a little bit, but, like, MLW does, like, one show a month. Yeah. So, you know. So, commentary has been a plus for the most part. Excalibur um, has gotten so much better than the early... Uh, uh, early dynamite days. Well, I think it's because he's now used to working with multiple people. Like I said, when he mm -hmm. does those PWG shows, he's basically by himself for the most part. Like when Kevin Steen Owens was there, Kevin would do commentary with him or Chris hero would do commentary with him sometimes, but oftentimes it was just him Oh, and Rick Knox, uh, occasionally, the referee would do commentary with him, too. Hmm. So, like, it, it, it depends. But, like, for the most part, he was calling it live by himself. And when you're used to doing something by yourself and then you have somebody else with you, it makes it so much harder. So, I agree he has improved, but I think it's only just because he's now used to working with multiple people. Agreed. So, um... The other thing that I would say is a general positive for the shows is the presentation. Dynamite is colorful. Like, there is, like, rainbow colors everywhere. Um, and it looks different um, than a lot of other mainstream wrestling shows. And also the camera work is... You know, they still do quite a few cuts, but it's not to the extent. And they have different camera angles, which I think are interesting. So the look of the product, I think, is good. It's not dull. It's not gray and dingy. It's not dark. It's bright, colorful. It's poppy, um, which I think fits with a lot of these indie wrestlers um, and their gimmicks. And the other thing that I have to say is a as a general positive is not everybody wrestles the exact same. Yes. Um, there is certainly an AEW style. I think there has to be a style to how you wrestle for a T for a TV camera than versus a live crowd at a, uh, indie show. So you have to hit certain beats so that you can go to commercial here or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. But like, 
Darby Allen does not wrestle like anybody else. Uh, Jungle Boy doesn't wrestle like anybody else. Penta and MJ, yeah, nah, yeah, MJ, yeah. You know, they all wrestle differently. John Moxley has completely revamped his style so that he is now this badass MMA inspired gimmick Brawler guy. Yeah, yeah. Like the amount of different styles that you can see on a Dynamite episode is great to see and if you really like the technical part of wrestling and when i say technical wrestling i don't necessarily just mean ground based but i just mean like the technical art of wrestling you can go and watch dynamite and you can see master craftsmen at their craft so those are my general positives as far as like moments all right i'll i'll uh yeah i, I think i agree a lot with a lot of what you have to say yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I like the fact that we got introduced to a whole lot, bowl of new wrestlers. I remember early on, like loving Sammy Guevara, because he was just different, and he was like this cocky, like good-looking guy, and he's like, man, that my guy's gonna be something. Um, he still might be someday. Yeah, still if he, might be if he straightens out. Yes. Um, you know what? I I, I have to agree with a lot of what you said. I, I guess I can't really think of anything other general positives because I think you hit on all of them. So yeah, you're good moments. All right. Uh, just like good moments. Um, so standout moments in dynamite or just in AEW. Um, Brody Lee, the tribute show uh, that they did for Brody Lee was just so emotional. Um, and so that was definitely a uh, a good moment. Um, I was so mad at myself. I saw a supercut after his death of all the BTE stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, I missed so much. It was so funny. And I was like, man, and now he's gone. Now what could have been? Mm-hmm. And it even seems like today, they finally are doing something with the Dark Order. And it's so funny because I I didn't understand the Dark Order when they first arrived on TV. And I still remember that segment where their punches were so terrible where you could see they didn't cut to the right angle and he was punching the mat. And it was like one of the earliest dynamites where everyone was like giving him shit because... They were like, oh, they looked there. The punches were terrible, and I, I remember the Dark Order just being like, "What the, what the fuck is Dark? Like, who the fuck is Evil Uno? Like, what's an Evil? Like, you know what I mean? Like, not being an uh, uh, an indie guy, I didn't know understand these people, and now it's like I love the Dark Order." But it seems like think- now they finally are starting to do stuff with them. Almost, you know, nine, ten months after his passing. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think that's also another strength of AEW that um, we can maybe cut this part into the um, general good things. Mm-hmm. But they uh, let their storylines breathe and they give things time for things to happen. Not everything has to be rushed. Uh, and... They're also not afraid to try again because 
the Dark Order, okay? I knew Stu Grayson and e Evil Uno from PWG and Chikara, where they were the Super Smash Brothers. They were a video game Oh, that was team. them. I'd heard yeah. the name, but I didn't know anything about them. Yeah, so uh, Stu Grayson used to be Player Dose or Stupefied, and Evil Uno was Player Uno, and they were a NES NES, like old school video game inspired tag team. Like all of their moves were based off of video game moves. Like I remember they did this thing uh, where uh, Uno would have uh, uh, the opponent like resting on his feet, and then Stu Grayson would be sitting in the corner and he'd say, Get over here, just like Scorpion, and then yeah. he'd do like a belly to belly suplex over it. Like I think they still do that in AEW, but like. It was like all all their things were like uh, video game inspired. Player mm -hmm. Uno would do the Falcon Punch from Super Smash Brothers. Like it was silly and funny, but like I was like, why are they heels? And I agree, it didn't work at first. And then they continued to try to make it a thing. And eventually it became a thing, right? They had to wait for that one piece, which happened to be Brody Lee. Um, and then it all came together. And now, at giving people time to mourn the passing of Brody Lee, they're, allowed, they're going to do something to the Dark Order. And it may end up being that the Dark Order breaks up, and that might be okay. But, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But as far as like good moments go, the Brody Lee tribute show is something that I th think will stand up as one of the greatest episodes of wrestling television that has ever been produced, quite honestly. Uh, everybody who was on that show really put their heart into it. We got to see the, like uh, Eric Redbeard, the former Eric Rowan, show up and like do something and that was really cool and so that that was great um another big moment um happened recently on rampage the return of cm punk i mean that's humongous oh that um, was that was fucking amazing right and For all 15 he had to do, minutes he had to show up he just had to show up and he did this dynamite promo and you know and and the other good thing was he was he was straight up he was truthful he was thankful to be there he was happy to be near the fans he it was it was an emotional thing to go through cm punk is how we met you know <laughs> like yeah. so like seeing that, that was really great. Um, I I got, another... I got my CM Punk shirt today finally. So I I'll you'll have to send me a picture. I don't I don't generally buy wrestler T-shirts because in, at my work I can't. See, you know, yeah, that's wear, one nice thing working at a software company. I can yeah. I can wear that shit. And yeah, I know and I, and I know there's wrestling fans, uh, who go I go who I work with. Because uh, we've talked wrestling, like, 
when I went to AEW, I actually, I actually ran into one of my coworkers at the WWE pay-per-view. And then I, when I walked in the next day after going to the AEW first Dynamite, I was wearing my best friend's t-shirt. But, uh, sorry, continue on. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, other good things, like, uh, I, I think some of their main events have been just great in terms of, um, Penny Omega winning the AEW world title from John Moxley. That heel turn, the work with Don Callis, all that other stuff, I think has been really good. Um, the storyline between John Moxley and Chris Jericho that led to John Moxley winning the title, excellent storytelling. The five labors of Jericho, uh, the first three, excellent, excellent, and then the last one also being the one with Wardlow, not so much, but you know. Yeah, that's like the letdown uh, one. We're like, oh, you're defeating Wardlow, like, but you well, did every- so much for everything else. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody beats Wardlow. He's I think you, you can know. beat him. Maybe. I don't know. He's he might just like eat me alive. I don't know. Probably. His pecs intimidate me. <laughs> um And then I think also one other thing that is not necessarily a moment per se, but like I like to see the growth of some of their quote-unquote homegrown stars. We've mentioned many of them already. Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen. These three guys were big stars on the indie circuit before that, but like they didn't have a mainstream audience. Like, if you went to a guy on the street and said, hey, do you like wrestling? And uh, they said, yeah, I watch, you know, Raw. And it's like, oh, have you heard of Darby Allen? They'd be like, no, who's that? Now, if you went up to a random wrestling fan on the street and you asked them, I'm sure that some of these people would be some of their favorite wrestlers. And seeing those people grow and become these big stars and rating draws has been really good to see. Yeah. So, um, I've been talking a lot, but, but yeah. those are my positives. My positive, or I'd say my favorite moment so far has been seeing the growth. I love the uh, the unique stipulation matches, like the stadium stampede. Mm. Like, just not knowing what you're going to get. And then, then making like, this crazy match. And... You know, the integration of top talent from, like, the WWE. You know, like, think of Sting. Think of Matt Hardy. Think of John Moxley. Three guys, Matt Hardy especially, came from the uh, WWE with his, his, his broken Matt gimmick, kind of bastardized. And it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. But... These guys aren't the, 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 the hogs, you know, of like you'd seen the oh, yesteryear. Uh, you know, they're there to help. And, like, we get these crazy storylines with these. But, like, ultimately, they're usually there to help 
bring up the next generation or this generation of talent, you know? And, the, and, and I will also say they all do that in a different way mm -hmm. where, you know, Sting is limited. He's 60 something years old. He can't be taking bumps every day, but him just being around Darby Allen gives Darby mm -hmm. Allen this mystique, right? Yes. Hardy doing his big money Matt thing. That's a totally new character for Matt Hardy, and it's great. Yes. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then John Moxley being that main eventer who is, like, the last boss you have to meet before be, before you're going to go on to be a main event superstar is is great. Um, I really loved seeing Hangman Page mm -hmm. starting where he came up, but I didn't know who the hell he was. I liked his theme music, but I'm like, He's a wrestling cowboy? Like, what? what? And it's definitely then, a throwback. You know, he joins with Kenny Omega, and they join this great tag team, and I think he really broke out in the stadium stampede, in the first stadium stampede match. Um, I remember being so excited earlier this year when I thought he was going to get a, finally get his title shot, and at the, at the Dynamite I went to, that, you know, they had the big... A big match with Hangman and the Dark Order versus the Elite. And another positive is branding. They had a Cracker Barrel Invitational. <laughs> They've had Stadium Stampedes. They've had just you know, like the 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 oh, we we had they Rick used and the Morty. pizza cutter and then they had a Domino's uh, yeah. commercial. <laughs> I mean, they had a match where where one of them dressed up as Rick from Rick and Morty just to promote the new season of Rick and Morty. Um, uh, uh the, the 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 Space Jam two, they used it as the entrance, and they didn't jam it down our throats like, hey guys, here's the new. Space Jam movie. Here's 14 overproduced segments about it. Like That was a terrible movie. I don't know. Did you I, see it? No, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, um, the rise of, of, of foreign talent. Uh, things like um, Rio. Seeing her become the, the women's champion fighting against Nyla Rose and uh, seeing all these women I'd never even heard of. And getting back into women's wrestling, where it's like, holy shit, I believe these women care. Because you can see they're trying hard. You know? Mm -hmm. um, being super hyped up for the uh, 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 the the barbed wire exploding deathmatch. Just something I've never seen in my lifetime, other than on tape. Being able to go, holy shit, I get to see... This crazy stipulation match that you typically see like on the indies or in Japan on tape. Something that was a, you know, a kind of a thing that's no longer a thing. And yeah, the ending was so-so. But point being, it was just, uh, you know, uh, seeing the, uh, the, 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 the rise of the inner circle. Seeing where they were and where they are now. You know, seeing Chris Jericho. Like, these are my memories of, like, this is what I love about AEW. And I'll never forget the Cody Rhodes, you know, Dusty Rhodes, 
or not Jessica Simpson, uh, sorry, Dustin. You know, I don't need my partner. I need my brother. That match was so good. Yeah. And Dustin bled so much. He did. And then I'm still wondering, The uh, this is at the first Dynamite I went to, I'm never going to challenge for the title if I lose this match. And then he lost the match. And to be fair, he hasn't challenged for the title. That is very true. I just, I'm still confused two years later why they would impose that. But whatever. Um, yeah, and that's really what I, I like, like you said with the generalization, but those are really my memories. Mm-hmm. Of AEW, the things I just really take away of like, you know, the positives. What are some of the negatives of AEW though that you tend to find, or maybe some frustrations? Well, I, I okay. So overall, I think AEW is almost perfect, but there are a few things that I think really could. Um, step up and i think one of the things is and we've both mentioned that we have liked aspects of the women's division but to be perfectly honest i think that they really need to put more focus on the women's division they have the one title belt um which is fine i don't necessarily think they need to have women's oh sorry sorry sorry, let me stop you real quick that is another positive Two men's titles, one women's, or sorry, three, three, sorry, three, three uh, men's titles. Yeah. One women's title. Could they yeah. add another women's title? Yeah. But that's, that's it. They don't necessarily. We don't have a fucking title for every little thing. Right. I think that oh, they need on. to put more. They have the TNT. Yeah. Got the world, and they got the tag team. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Just trouble checking mm-hmm. my math. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Continue on though. Yes. Yeah. The women. I think Sorry. they need to. Yeah, I think they need to put more focus on the women's division. And what I mean by that is, on Dynamite, they need to have more than one uh, women's segment per Dynamite episode. Generally speaking, when you watch an episode of Dynamite, you're going to get one segment that has that involves the women's wrestlers it may be a match it may be a backstage promo or something but generally it's just the one and they do have like this weird like pay uh per thing online called heels not to be confused with the star show (laughs) uh uh, that is uh, all about women's wrestling but like if you it just, really want like I've never looked into it but yeah. it feels like it's gimmicky like we made this thing for the women and there you go right and I and like I don't think it's going to be like the old WWF photo shoot things that were all kind of like skeevy and stuff like that but like I think they could do with just even adding one more segment, giving the women that much more focus because they have a really good women's division. I mean, it, it may not be as strong as WWE's because WWE was able to per like purchase 
get under contract. So many independent wrestlers right before AEW started. But they have a really strong women's division now that has some really interesting characters that could be played with more. Um, so that's something that I think needs to be worked on. Um, another thing that I think could be worked on is sometimes Dynamite, Rampage, even the pay-per-views have too many things packed into them. This w last week in Dynamite, for example, there was a three-minute match between John Moxley and Minoru Suzuki. That should have had a good 20 minutes for the wrestling match to go on to. The crowd didn't even get to sing Kaze Ninare. And so, like, the show itself was good. There was a lot of stuff in that show. There was too much stuff in that in that show. They pack things in sometimes. So they need to let things breathe a little bit more in order to give them the impact. Sometimes they do that perfectly. Other times they just try to jam so much in. Um, so consistency in terms of what how the shows is how the show is booked sometimes falters here and there and then the last thing is luckily as of right now nobody has gotten seriously hurt but there have been moments in AEW where matches have continued that where people probably should not have continued matches Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking Matt Hardy versus Sammy, Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it was sad, too, because, like, that entire run, Matt Hardy kept unintentionally getting injured. I, 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 it's still happening. He I was... still remember that, that they threw the chair at Matt Hardy. And, and you know, Matt you... Hardy broke his nose, uh, the, you know, two weeks ago in a match against Orange Cassidy. Like, Matt Hardy continues to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. So, I know. I, like, I, it, it seems like he's having fun, but he keeps getting these keeps terrible injuries. Yes. Yeah. And so, I think they need to have a more set protocol for what happens if somebody gets hurt. And I think that they also have to not be afraid of stopping a match. I agree. I mean, everyone isn't in the 90s anymore. Right. Everyone's well aware of CTE, concussions, injuries. Like, dude, if, if people are going to sit there and scream and yell and be like, oh, this bullshit. Fuck you. Get out of the arena. Be banned. Yeah. You know, this is entertainment. This is someone's job. Right. This isn't their life. Their life is more important than the play, you know, the, 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 what's going on, the action. Right. Um, so those, so those are, those are like the three things that I can think of. Uh, mine are, yeah, the women. And it's weird because I feel like they'll give credence to some and then others are just kind of there. Like Maki Ito showed up and now she's not there. Or Rio show up and she's not there. And these women just kind of show up and there'll be a focus for a little bit and then they disappear. And it's weird because like some fans want 
nothing but a woman's show. Like, oh, the women need to be treated with more respect or need more airtime. And I, I, I get it. But I also wonder if it's a ratings thing. Do, do, do people in general... Is it a problem that the WWE has done such a bad job of making their... Because, you know, they got Becky Lynch. They, got, they, they had that renaissance of women's wrestling for several years. But still... When the majority of fans think of women wrestling, do they think of Sable and Lita and Trish Stratus and the Braun Pan? You know what I mean? Like, they're not taken so, seriously. So I think maybe to a certain extent, but if you make your women's division an important part and you show that it is important to you It'll and, be respected. That it, and that it's serious, then it will be respected. I think it's all a matter of... Just doing it. No, I agree. Um, I think there's way too many pinfalls attempts. Like, uh, it's it's frustrating because they'll go for pins and they'll just kick out. And they'll go for more pins and they'll kick out. And I've been watching so much AEW now. They do all this flippy stuff. And then it's like, oh, that's just a, it's a two count. It's like, yeah, but I you did think, a Canadian destroyer. I and think that, it's you know, a product. I think it's a product of most of these guys have come indie. from the Indies. No, no, I agree, and that's what I figure. But sometimes yeah. I feel like it's excessive. These excessive number of pinfalls in a match, where it's like, mm-hmm. I know this isn't going to be a pinfall, and you know, Excalibur's was like, oh, I got two. Ah. You know, they shocked. It's like, come on, guys. Like, I, I wish. They'd be a little bit more like New Japan Pro Wrestling, where there are flash pinfalls or unexpected submission. You know what I mean? Mm. That's another thing. Positive. No, well, I guess there's a lot. Interference is used for properly. Does not like WCW levels of interference and disqualifications. Um, my third problem is uh too much blood. Um, I, I feel like, and now I, I know sometimes this hasn't been intentional, like there's been unintentional blood, but it seems like ever since like Vince McMahon is like, oh, they're bloody and blood and guts and blah, 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 blah. They've been like, aha, we're going to do more blood. Fuck you, old man. You know, we're going to snub our nose at the, at the old people of wrestling. I, I just feel like sometimes they do some excessive blood where like, okay, this Last pay-per-view. Young Bucks versus Penta and Phoenix. Great, great, great match. Instant five-star classic for me. I was blown away. There's a spot where a Nike shoe has thumbtacks on it. And they super kick Penta with it. And this guy wears a mask if you know who Penta is. Yeah. He then take the ma- They then take the shoe and drive it into his mask and then the next scene he's covered in blood and I'm thinking to myself they must have had a blood bag in there food coloring you know he's wearing a mask no he fucking bladed and he's gushing blood and I'm like why why was it necessary to cut yourself open in a mask. You know what I mean? To me, that just seems so 
stupid. He needed seven stitches to close his wound. And to me, that's so silly. You could just put a exploding blood bag or something. Something in your mask. When you push down, blood. I, I just feel like they were trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy. And that mystique of like using blood to hype the match and make the match that much better. Uh, is now just getting ridiculous amounts of blood. There's been nothing egregious. Like, I think of egregious being like a JBL versus Eddie Guerrero match. You okay. know. Yeah. But I, 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 I disagree, but I also have watched a lot of CZW. So, uh, and, and so their amount of blood versus AEW, I'm just like, yeah, that's not really that. But big of here's a deal. the thing, though. AEW is not a deathmatch company. I mean, true. True. They have dabbled in it from time to time, but they are not a deathmatch company. But, like, I, I I see your point. I I think, I personally think the amount of blood has been fine. Uh, I think, like, if you're going to, like, for example, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that Phoenix and Penta were the only two who, um, right, and the Young Bucks were the only ones who bled during that entire All Out show. I think you're right. Um, so they only did it once. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, my final thing is there's too many goddamn factions. It seems like everybody has a faction, and you know they've kind of toned back on this. But at one point, there was almost a faction every week being debuted for a little bit. It was like, oh, Inner Circle. Oh, and now there's the Death Triangle. And now there's uh, Pinnacle and whatever, uh, you know, the Matt Hardy office. And it just seems like, you know, Dark Order. For a little while, it just seemed like uh, everyone had to be part of a faction. And then, like, the faction warfare, and then it just kind of, like, went away. And now it seems like these factions exist, and they finally figured out without shoving the entire faction down our throats. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, they're part of that. But it really kind of doesn't matter. Except if it's, like, Inner Circle or or Pinnacle. But they've kind of, like, backed off on that, you know what I mean? Like, now it's like, oh, we, we hear about the Pinnacle... But it's been several weeks, if not a month or two, where it's been like, oh, here's the pinnacle as a complete group. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just stuff like that. I just sometimes feel like there's there's just way too many factions. Like, I think I, 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 I can agree with that. I think the faction thing comes from a lot of these guys working in Japanese companies. Because when you look at New Japan, and a lot of these guys also came from Dragon Gate, or like they worked Dragon Gate a lot in the earl in the earlier part of their career. New Japan Dragon Gate are nothing but factions, and those factions, like especially Dragon Gate, every sing- if you look at the roster of Dragon Gate, they on Wikipedia they'll break it down by which faction people are in. Gotcha. For you. 
Okay. So and, and again, this is me coming from the WWE fan. Yeah. So like, there's just a lot of stuff I don't know. You know, um, that's probably also my my final thing too. They they do a good job of explaining stuff after the fact, but they don't do like they'll they'll be like a wrestler. Like good example, we just saw um. Uh, what's his face from New Japan show up and fight Moxley this last week uh, on Dynamite? Oh, Minoru Suzuki. I know nothing about him. I didn't even know who he was when he walked out. Now, obviously, the fans did. They knew his song. And, and granted, again, I, I'm speaking from my own point of view. But a lot of times when these people debut, I have no clue who these people are unless they are a former WWE roster member. I think the best thing that will illustrate that point was when the Butcher and the Blade... Yes, that's what it was. Because Excalibur knew who the Butcher and the Blade were, but Jim Ross and Tony didn't. And so they were just like, who are these people? And then Excalibur was was just like, it's the Butcher and the Blade. Who? No, the Butcher and the Blade. (laughs) Or, or I just remember when, when Malachi Black debuted, and it's like, oh, it's Tommy End. No, it's Malachi Black. Oh, Tommy End though. Ma- Ma- Malachi Black. Oh, but Tommy End was a ma- ma- Malachi Black. <laughs> I yes, I actually, it's it's not a negative per se, but I have no fucking idea why they're calling him Malachi Black instead of Tommy End. Because when you hear the name Malachi Black, you're instantly thinking this guy is from WWE. This used to be Aleister Black. Mm -hmm. If it was Tommy End, it would be completely different. Mm -hmm. Tommy End was essentially Aleister Black, like, in terms of what his character was like. It's not like his character would be any different, but the name conjures up allusions to his time in WWE and it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense yeah. for, for me personally but anyway so we've gone through our negatives and positives I want to talk a little bit about here got a couple more subjects I want to talk about before we head off to the night um we've seen an influx of you know like you mentioned earlier we've seen 60 WWE releases in the last year mm-hmm. and they all have to go somewhere what is your what is your thoughts on the amount of WWE wrestlers now joining All Elite Wrestling? Obviously, we've seen with CM Punk and Daniel Bra- or Brian Danielson, um, huge rating movers. Uh, obviously, Brian Brian Danielson just joined, so he hasn't really you know he hasn't got the uh, hasn't had the opportunity yet to prove himself. But you know, I I think back. I like I said I just listened to. To uh, we listen to all these audiobooks looking at 95, 96, 97, Death of WCW. And I think back to WWE or WCW is struggling, WCW is struggling. Hulk Hogan showed up and they became something. Ra- Randy R. Savage showed up, Rowdy Piper showed up. Now, you know, WCW is starting to come on fire. And then they they hit on the NWO angle, and it's upward trajectory from there. I feel like this is a 
similar. Well, obviously different because AEW is doing very well without a CM Punk or a Brian Danielson. They've been able to, like you said, they've done a really good job of doing homegrown talent as well as integrating existing well-established stars like Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, etc. But since CM Punk joined, their ratings went from 700,000, 750,000 to 1.1 million, 1.3 million, 1.4 million. Mm-hmm. And it's been staying over a million. Um, you know, obviously now we've got Adam Cole, we've got Brian Danielson, we've got CM Punk, we've got, um, you know, we've got a lot of names who came from the D- from the WWE. Well, I think it's a little bit different than because I feel just I feel like in. Pac. So, uh, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. I feel like it's a little bit different than people just jumping back and forth between the companies during the Monday Night Wars. And the and the reason I say that is the people who have been coming over to AEW for the most part. I mean, there are some people who don't necessarily fall into the cat- this category, like uh, 2.0, uh, Ruby Soho. These Those people weren't necessarily part of uh, the Ring of Honor PWG crowd. Mm-hmm necessarily like 2.0 was more of a chikara thing because they were 3.0 um ruby soho used to be heidi lovelace and rest of a lot of men on the indie circuit um but like adam cole was part of bullet club the elite yep uh brian brian danielson uh was a figure in in ring of pwg Honor. yeah, yeah. And, and and Ring of Honor, um, Malachi Black, a figure in big figure in PWG. Uh, so, like, when you look at who works behind the scenes, and then you see who has come over, it makes sense because these people were always going to try to work with each other at some point, right? So, I'm not super concerned that like a ton of other people are going to like jump over. I think with the with the exception of maybe like two more, I don't know if we're going to see a ton of new signings to AEW. I think we're going to see a Sami Zayn, El Generico come over, and I think we're going to see a Kevin Steen oh, come over. I can't wait. And um, and then and then I think I think we're probably going to have the roster set for a while. Besides, you know, the indie talent that they do for their dark shows and stuff like that. The one thing I worry about is the ex-WWE talent becoming the focal point. Especially in the last two weeks with CM Punk and and stuff. It's And granted, you know, he's he's money. He's, he's, he's proven himself. For an obvious reasons, you know. But it's yeah. been like, oh, CM Punk's coming up. CM Punk's coming up. CM Punk's coming up. Here's some matches. Oh, there's more CM Punk. And it's like, oh, okay, go get it. Um, I like the fact when WWE wrestlers can reinvent themselves, like Pac. Pac is not who he was in WWE. Yeah, he... he uh, I mean, his character, the bastard Pac, is... is 
kind of similar to what he was towards the end of his run, but he has definitely evolved more. Yes. Uh, since, uh, since uh, I look at John Moxley. John Moxley was the huge first signing for AEW. Yeah. That was non. You know, he's been amazing. I just worry that I don't want them to lose sight of what brought them to the dance. Granted, I don't ever foresee a similar situation of like CM Punk being a Hulk Hogan and being, it's all gotta be about me. I make the money. I make the ratings. Put the title. You know no. what I mean? I don't see that happening at all. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be like that. But I just worry, like, hey, you've only got two hours on your main program and an hour for your secondary program that are on TV. I don't watch Dino, or, uh, Dark. I don't watch Dark Elevation. I don't care enough to watch it. I want to watch Dynamite, and I'll watch Rampage. And Rampage, to me, is over in a blink of an eye. It's done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I worry about... I, I mainly worry most about Dynamite. You know, that's where I spend my two hours, and that's where I mainly focus. I'm not watching the side programming. I, I Do I care? Sure. If there's a good match, it sounds good. I might check it out. But I'm not making it an integral part that I need to watch every single thing. And I just want to make sure that they continue to focus on their home talent and keep growing that while still utilizing the big names. Because obviously they're, you know, CM Punk's not young. Brian Danielson's not young. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are not baby-faced, fresh talent. They're, they're getting up in age. But they still have value, obviously. Right, and you know. I think I, 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 I think that it's going to be okay because if you listen to the way that CM Punk talks or Brian Danielson talks about why they came, they were really excited to work with with mm -hmm. young guys, mm -hmm. and 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 they've mentioned that several times now, and. I I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that they are going to meet those category, uh, meet those promises that they're making until I'm proven wrong. And so I'm not I'm not too too worried about it and I'm also not too too worried about them just, you know, scooping up a whole bunch of different uh ex WWE people to fill up their roster like you know, I just worry about like, like what happened with TNA. Yeah, yeah. No, granted, we got I, wildly I, different people running the show, writing the creative. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the way I mean, from the sounds of it, there is no creative writers. This is all coming from. You know, there's probably laid out stories, like points that Tony Khan wants to be hit on, um, but ultimately, it's like, hey, you, you guys figure it out. Yeah. Or they're very open to hearing suggestions. Um, fi uh, final two subjects. And I guess mm -hmm. you can say I'm almost one. The impact, your, your, your thing on the impact working relationship yep. and the New Japan working relationship. And then finally, the, for whole, the, whole, the whole forbidden door. Your thoughts on it. I guess you can wrap it all in one. This whole forbidden door... 
working relationship stuff. Okay, so th- I think the fact that they're mentioning the Forbidden Door on television proves that the Forbidden Door doesn't actually exist. Agreed. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's clear that uh, New Japan has a pretty good working relationship with AEW now. They sent Satoshi Kojima and Minoru Suzuki over. Um, those are two of their most veteran talents. So I think that's good for the future. I think, you know, by the time Double or Nothing comes around, we're probably going to see Hiroshi Tanahashi in AEW, and that would be excellent. Um, as far as the Impact stuff goes... Um, I only see this as a plus for uh, Impact. I I don't think Impact has a ton to offer to AEW necessarily. There is some talent there that could fit really well in AEW um, in the in the future. Like uh, I'm thinking, Sammy Callahan, for example, uh, could do a lot of good with John Moxley or. Um, you know, the good brothers could permanently transport themselves to AEW, and I think that would be fine. That was my only thing I liked about it, was because I was really disappointed that the good brothers didn't make it over to AEW. Mm-hmm. And then when they were like, hey, we're working with Impact, and then they showed up, and I was like, yay! Yeah. So, like, they're, like, for the most part, having, like, Christian as their Impact world champion that's only good for impact it doesn't hurt aew but it doesn't do anything for aew really uh in three years aew has totally outstripped um impact or roh yeah i i I agree i mean that's that's where i kind of feel like my thoughts are like are they doing it to show like listen we don't want to be a wwe or a wcw we don't want to be the, the, the bad guy, but we'll work with you. But to me, it's like, why? I, I feel like a Impact is just there. I don't give a fuck about Impact. I have not watched it in over a decade. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, at this point, like, mm-hmm. nothing on Impact. I've watched a couple episodes here and there while flipping through TV and nothing else is on. Where it's like, I'll watch a match or two. Um, but I, I don't understand why AEW is even bothering wasting their time. I don't I, I think, a... you know, I, I think it's just because most of these, uh, AEW guys can literally work wherever they want in their contracts. Like, yes, AEW comes first, but like if John Moxley wants to go and work for GCW, which he did mm-hmm. and won their world title, he's welcome to do that. Or if, uh, you know, Brian Danielson wants to work in new Japan, he can do that. So I think it's a matter of saying, Hey, we're open to working with, you know, anybody. And I think this can open up the possibility of, um, storylines in the future. Um, one of the things that I would be really excited about would be if there was like an indie wrestling, uh, conglomerate of like impact and ROH and they kind of try to invade 
uh, AEW, and there was like a war storyline. ROH actually did do a storyline similar to that back when it was first founded with CZW, where CZW invaded ROH, and they had this like pay-per-view that was just CZW versus ROH, and it was really good. So like, if they could do something like similar to that, you know, that could be interesting. I think it's a tool that they can utilize to spice up their shows if for you know whatever reason one of their wrestlers really wants to have a program with somebody else mm -hmm. you know i i only view it as a good thing and and as of right now it hasn't shown me to be anything negative for AEW, and it has been a positive to these other companies okay fair um you know i thought of one more show or one more subject, excuse me. Sure. Uh, what do you think it would be like if the COVID COVID nineteen never occurred? Because I feel like AEW has super come into their own. But I also wonder if New Japan would be as willing, or Impact would be as willing. You know what I mean? Um, I think that COVID-19 may have had an influence on the New Japan relationship. I think that Impact would have still been just as willing. The only thing that I could have, I could see, um, being different is that live attendance at AEW shows, uh, they might, like, ticket sales might have been slower, in certain areas um because now people are rabid to get out of their homes so they're selling out really quickly right now mm -hmm. um but and yeah obviously back in 2019 impact was or not impact sorry dynamite was still new and even in march they were going through gangbusters because they were going to all these new cities right exactly so the only thing that i could think of is that maybe um in those first after those first three months and things were kind of settling down and they were in the you know, six to four to seven hundred thousand uh, viewers at home range. Maybe some of the live events wouldn't have sold as well, but that happens with new things. Uh, and sometimes they start off hot, they cool down, and then uh, they continually grow as the product continues to say good. The only other thing that I could say is that. The fact that a lot of these people, uh, that a lot of those shows happened at Daily's place, um, it gave a re the wrestlers kind of a home base to stay out of. Mm -hmm. And so um, traveling is really hard on the body. Traveling and then wrestling can lead to more injuries and things along those lines. So, well, cool. Um, I think at this point, I think we've, you know, we talked for an hour and a half so far. So, uh, I really look forward to getting back to podcasting with you and soon doing some more WrestleManias. We're getting there, man. I yes. Know. And we then, and then we'll have to decide what we're going to do afterwards. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely for sure. Regardless, I think AEW is going to be my new, uh, wrestling fix going forward unless WWE drastically changes or something I think at this point I'm uh, all in on 
pardon the pun, with AEW. I mean, I've bought t-shirts, I've bought their events, I've bought tickets to see them. Like, hell, I've got a, I got a replica title coming my way. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've, I've bought into AEW uh, quite a while ago, but yeah, it, when I look at the future of WWE, I get very, very nervous. Uh, about it's what's so going on there. frustrating because, like, the talent is there. These are good wrestlers. These are good people, and it's like you've made it to the, you've made it to the top. Where did it used to be? Everyone wants to work for WWF. Everyone wants to work for WWE. And now it seems like, yeah, they're getting good ratings or, you know, whatever. Like, but it's not what it used to be. And, like, the bigger fans are going away. It just seems like no, like, you know what I mean? It's sad to see WWE. And it's been over a decade. Like, I was thinking the other day, Punk's promo in 2011, Mm -hmm. there was discontent. Basically, from 2002 on in the WWE, it's been 17, 18 years, you know? And it's just like, I think people are finally sick of it. There's finally an alternative. But it's so and sad it to see like this great yeah. talent. And, you know, obviously they're still going to get fans, whatever. But someone like me, I've watched WWE for my whole life. And... I, I, I'm done. How many of me, how many are you, how many people like us are saying, mm-hmm. just, I'm done with WWE. I'm done. I don't care who they have. Uh, I still listen to like Wrestling Observer Radio. So I still sell the news. I still hear the recaps. But I have no, I, I'm, I'm, my wife is like, hey, pay-per-view's on tonight. Don't care. I got Peacock and I don't give a shit. Yeah, it, it it's it's odd, and, and and the other thing is is like uh, the people that we thought were going to take over clearly aren't going to take over. Like Triple H, I mean, thank God that he is okay. By the way, as of this recording, he just got out of heart surgery. But yeah, um, that's crazy. But Triple H, the uh, you know, I thought about the, 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 the son to be. Uh, I, I, it doesn't look like he's going to be the one to take over anymore. The future of this company, once Vic, Vince McMahon dies, is up in the air in many in in many ways. Yeah, I mean, men typically die before their wives. It would probably be on Linda McMahon to figure out what to do next. Uh, unless there's some kind of clause or, you know, the board of drag. I don't know if there's like a thing written in the, you know, hey, in case of this, here's the instructions to follow. It'd probably end up at this point in the hands of Nick Khan, and then we'll have the Battle of the Khans. <laughs> Khan! Yes, Khan! Uh, yeah, we'll see. We shall see. Yeah, WrestleMania. We ended at WrestleMania 28, if I'm not mistaken. Checking now, because it's been so long. Yes, we ended at the New York, New Jersey WrestleMania, 
where it was once in a lifetime. Oh, but it really wasn't. No. Where we saw John Cena, uh, you know, regain his win. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, so the next one we're going to be doing is WrestleMania 29 with, man, I don't even remember what WrestleMania 29 was. It's such a long time ago since I watched it. It's just kind of there before 30. No, it was, uh, uh it, was it was Rock, uh, Cena 2. Was that 29? Yeah. Uh, did I screw up? Rock Cena 2 was 29. Oh, sorry. That was 29. Okay, sorry. We're doing WrestleMania 30 next. I can't... Yay! Yeah, I can't read uh, numerunos. I'm an idiot. There we go. I was like, wait, this one says it was Roxena 2. That's not 28. Oh, wait. Yeah. So, yes, WrestleMania 30. The uh, Brian Daniel victory stage. When WWE really didn't want, you know, to listen to their audience. Yes. Bautista. Yes. Blue And Tista. Randy Borton. Yes. Uh, anything you want to say before we head off? Good to be back. Yeah. For sure. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Check out our past podcasts, reviewamania.com. There you'll find a list of our three AEW Dynamite recaps. You'll find a lot of bonus content. I went through the first four episodes of ECW TV, and boy, I learned a lot. Uh, there's so much editing they had to do. Holy cow. Uh, we got all kinds of good stuff up there. And you can listen to all our past Review of Mania, or sorry, WrestleMania recaps, 1 through 29. 30 will be coming out here shortly. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Reviewmania at gmail.com for feedback and questions. Take care. Bye-bye.